Lord, we just ask you to bless this time as we look at your word and guide and lead us in what you'd have us to see from this. We ask you to be with those that aren't here and that are not healthy. We think of Loretta who's going through some hard times right now. And we also think of Pastor George Lyman and Bullhead who's had a heart attack and in the hospital. And we ask you to be with him as well. And we just ask for your guidance and leading in your son's name. Amen. Amen. All right. Proverbs chapter 21. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turns it whithersoever he will. Every way of a man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord ponders the heart. To do justice and judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. A high look and a proud heart is the plowing of the wicked, and, and the plowing of the wicked is sin. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plenteousness, and of everyone that is hasty only to want. So we're going to look at these uh, first uh, couple verses. The king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. As the rivers of water, he turns whithersoever he will. And this is a very comforting verse for those who are ever worried about their government. Because the government's you know, decision making and where they're going is in God's hand. Just as everything else in this world, they're not going to go anywhere but where God allows and uh, we see that uh, all through the scriptures uh, when Israel was judged and taken into captivity it's because they had rebelled and rebelled and God arranged for the Assyrians to come in and capture them and take them into captivity not that the Assyrians were a good people they were just who God used to bring them into captivity and then we go further down and the Babylonians are con you know conquer and then the Medes and Persians and you know all the way down the line and but God is always in control and it says that what he turns their heart wherever he wants it to go and just like when we think about the Jews in in uh, Egypt Pharaoh's heart was hardened and God allowed his heart to be hardened until he would be kicking the people out not just not just releasing them to go worship but saying get out of here I don't want to see you anymore then he changed his mind and went after them and Egypt's power was stripped for many many decades as they lost their army but God is in control and this is a great com this should be a great comfort to us always God is always in control nothing happens that he didn't expect nothing happened that he didn't align and set up and he just turns it and we look at our country sometimes and say, God, why are we where we're at? Well, we're being judged for turning away from God. We have a choice. We either, as a nation, repent and turn back to God, or we continue down the road of judgment. And the book of Proverbs, we see that. The people go and start doing things their own way. God sends judgment, and they either repent or they get into more... Just like judges. More, just like judges. Uh, and all through kings and all through... Chronicles, we see the same pattern that people get evil and God judges them. And we see it even today. It still happens today. So it is a great, great comfort. It uh, doesn't make things any easier sometimes when we look at what's going on. You know, we look at our government and the decisions that have been made in our government, in our country. We've, you know, accepted abortion, the murder of, of innocent children. Uh, we've allowed... Uh, all kinds of depravity to be common. Uh, we've got our Supreme Court going to make a decision in next month or the following month to to allow homosexual marriage, and I'm absolutely sure they're going to allow it. It will surprise me if they do a godly decision, uh, which then brings Christians into a whole other area of, of decision-making. Uh, we've got a president who's moving further and further away from Israel, and so this country is due for great judgment if our people don't fall on our knees and, and get into a uh, revival. And we need to pray for that. Uh, I hope, I would love for us to see a revival. I don't expect one, but God can do whatever he wants. But, you know, looking at it from a human point of view, it seems impossible. But what, nothing is impossible for God, so we want to pray for that. Because he turns the hearts. He turns, he turns the, the will of the people. Verse 2. Every way of man is right in his own eyes, but the Lord ponders 
the hearts. And this is, we've talked about this a lot lately. We have a sin nature. We are born with a sin nature. We desire, every part of our heart desires to sin. And if any of us think it doesn't, then we're lying to our own selves and we're setting ourselves up for failure. Okay? When we are in Christ, we have a greater chance of desiring because of the new, new uh, life in us, a desire to do right. But our flesh is always there saying, I want to do wrong. <laughs> and, it, and it says, every way of man is right in his own eyes. And this is, this is again, that, that verse in Judges. They did what was right in their own eyes. <laughs> okay, uh, you see it in, in Noah's day. They did what was right in their own eyes, and every imagination of their heart was continually evil. And we're starting to see that this is a truth in today's world. People are doing what is right in their own eyes, and every imagination of their heart is evil. And God says, "But the Lord ponders the hearts." And this ponders means to regulate or level. Okay, God tries to regulate our heart to follow him. Okay, and that's what he does for those of us that are attached to him through Jesus Christ and the new life. He can give us a regulation in our life that says, okay, your heart is overruled and we're going to give you a more even, an even level playing field. Before, we're, before we have that new life, we cannot make decisions for good, really. I mean, if we do, it's usually tainted with what, is that because we have a sin nature? Because of our sin nature. Our sin nature wants to do what's, what's best for us in our own eyes. And that doesn't necessarily mean what God says is best. It just means if somebody's, and we see it, if somebody's nice to you and they're not saved, they usually have an ulterior motive that something is, somehow they're going to benefit out of it. Whether making you a good citizen, a better citizen or a better, you know, whatever it is, they get something out of the deal. And that is the sin nature. The sin nature does not just help people out of the goodness of their own hearts. Now, every once in a while you'll see somebody that does some good, you know, that doesn't seem to follow God. But ultimately when, it, when push comes to shove, they're going to do what's good for them and doesn't matter about anybody else. Uh, they may be nice, they may be kind, you know, to a degree, but if their money runs out or time runs out, they're going to do what's best for them because that's the sin nature. It just is the sin nature. And this is why I say I'm never surprised when a non-Christian does something you know, evil or harmful to, to others. It's what I expect. They've got a sin nature. I'm more surprised if they do anything nice and kind for people and always wait for the other shoe to, to fall. And as I've said many times, even when Christians do something you know, that's not unkind or, or, or nasty. I'm still not surprised because they've got a sin nature. It hurts me more because they should be living for God, but it's not a surprise. You know, and I shouldn't say hurt. Disappoints, I guess, is a better word. Disappoints when a Christian doesn't live, you know, that way uh, because they should be living in Christ. Uh, and this is something we have to understand because the world wants to tell us and the world constantly tells us, Man is basically good. Left to their own, they'll do good. And I don't know how they come up with that idea. But but people are basically no damn good. <laughs> it's, that's exactly it. People are sinners. Just plain and simple. But I went through college on my second degree for, well, especially the last three years when I was in the four-year college. They hammered on us, you know, man's basically good. Leave them to their own, they'll do good. You know, and, I'm, and I'm arguing all the time with them that that's not true. You know, but it is the constant thing that's being bombarded into people. People are basically good. Left to their own, they'll do good. I don't know where they find that evidence. It, you know, nobody is looking at life you know, to see anything other than that. But that is the mantra of this world. You know, leave us alone and we'll be good. Or at least better than most people. You know, if you really want to boil it down, that's usually their standard. I'm better than most. And that's, the, that's not the standard God uses. It's the standard of the world. Because if you can look around, you can always find somebody worse than you. you know, and, and you don't look too hard to find the people that are better than you because you only care that you're better than whatever group of people you're looking at. I'm the best person on my block. Yeah. I, I'm, the, I'm, the, I'm the best, best person amongst this, this crowd of thieves that there is. I haven't stolen from anybody. Yeah. Sliced bread or something. 
but but that is the way man looks at it. You know, they won't look for somebody who's better than them because that defeats their whole purpose. But they'll look for all the people that they're better than, or at least they think they're better than, and using that as their standard. And that's the sin nature, and it's the the world's answer. You know, be good, be better than most, <laughs> and uh, it's a sad sad way to go. But God says, I want to give you control, control your hearts. It says to do justice. And judgment is more acceptable to the Lord than sacrifice. And this is that idea of righteous acts. God wants us to prove that we are righteous. Not just say we are. Not just as he says, go to the temple and offer sacrifices and make it look like I'm good. He wants to see. And this is the statement in James. When you read the book of James, he says, show me your, your uh, righteousness by your action, uh, by your, 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 show me your faith without works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You know, good, good works should come out of us as a faithful follower of God because Jesus is in us, God is in us, He should flow out of us. And it's not that the works make us good, it's not that the works make us righteous, but because God flows out of us, we'll see justice. And judgments, the actual uh, way to decide, to discern. God wants to see us act justly and discern good and evil. And this is important because the world does not tend to discern good and evil. They usually will judge, you know, I'm better than most, or I'm wor this person is better than most, or worse than most. And they don't discern truth. And... Truth has been something that the world chases after. The world wants truth, but they don't want to turn to the truth, which is God. Uh, and that's when Jesus said, I, you know, I am truth. And, and if you remember, Pilate's answer to him is, what is truth? And I don't think he just said it, what is truth? I think he said it with scorn, because in the Greek and Roman days, they were, the whole philosophical search was for truth. And they were trying to find truth in nature, truth in science. And they can't find it there because God is truth. And we're going to get to one of the verses that says that there is no truth without God. If we get to that verse, it's toward the end of this chapter. Um, a high look and a proud heart and the plowing of wicked is sin. A high look. This is, this is that idea of uh, a haughty haughty look you know I'm above you I'm more important than you and the proud heart and this is kind of the proud in this place is kind of interesting a wide heart is what it says and it's kind of like one of the things that we as Christians are accused of is that we're not open-minded enough you know to to accept the world's way of thinking because we're stuck on God's way and this is what this idea the, the idea of being so wide open that I'll accept anything. And there is a truth that we need to be open-minded enough to at least listen and, and, and think about something, but we don't want to be so open-minded that everything comes into our mind. And this is, this is one of the things that's important. We can consider things, but we need to run it through the filter of God's word always. Because otherwise, we're going to be bombarded, and we've talked a lot about being bombarded with the lies of this world. And we're bombarded all the time. Television, movies, books, news, uh, songs, all kinds of ways that we get bombarded. And we hear it all the time. We will even catch ourselves oftentimes spouting the world's viewpoint without even thinking about it. You know, somebody gets hurt, and what do we think? The very first thing, well, maybe you should sue. The Bible says not to sue, you know, unless there's a, you know, you know, a reason for it, and never to sue another Christian. You know, it's better to just let it go and let God deal with the results. But our first instinct, because our world says, it, you're do it. <laughs> you know, you're, if they hurt you, you're do, pun, you know, you, you're do this the reward for being hurt. And sometimes God is saying it's better just to sit, step back and say, let God deal with it. And we want to be so careful. Are we stuck in the way the world thinks, or are we really getting in through God's, uh, the grid plate of God's, God's word? And this is why it's so important to read God's word daily, to, to study his word, to be, you know, meditate on his word, because everything we act and do and say should be filtered through his way of thinking. And it's tough. <laughs> Believe me, I know it's tough when 
You know, Jesus said, when you're, when you're struck on the cheek, turn, turn the other one. That's not our first instinct. <laughs> you know, for some, it's even harder than others. Some, some have no problem with turning the other cheek because they just don't think, you know, they're not, they're not a, of that com combative uh, temperament. For some like me, that's a very hard thing sometimes to do to turn the other cheek because it's like, uh-uh. Yeah. Um, I was raised before my dad got saved with the men mentality of I didn't start the fight, but I'm sure going to finish it, okay, which meant I was going to win. And I made sure that I won and then got, got hold of me and had to change my mentality and saying, no, sometimes it's better just to back off and let him defend. And it's almost always better to let him defend. <laughs> and then this plowing of the wicked, the, the breaking up of the fallow ground, you know, the, the whole idea of planting seed for the wickedness. And it says all of this is sin. The idea of a haughty look, I'm better than you, the proud look, of, um, I mean, I've got all the answers, or, the, or just the, the plowing in and planting of, of sin in, in general, of wickedness in general, is all sin. And it's just important for us. The thoughts of the diligent tend only to plentiness, but everyone that is hasty only to want. And this is an idea of the diligent, the diligent push through, the diligent get jobs done. Uh, the diligent will usually be rewarded in the long run in a business because people see that they get the job done. Uh, but those that are hasty make very quick decisions. And it was one thing, you, you've got to make dis quick decisions to be diligent, but these are talking about, I just make decisions without any kind of thought or, or reason. I just, you know, react. Those are not the decisions that lead to any kind of benefit. You might get lucky once in a while, but more than often than not, your, your hasty decision goes off the wrong direction. And uh, so we want to be able to see that because it, the hasty decisions lead to need or want. Verse 6, the getting of treasure by lying tongue is a vanity tossed to and fro of them that seek death. The violence of the wicked shall destroy them because they refuse to do judgment. The way of man, the way of man is forward and strange, but as for the pure, his work is right. It is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house. The soul of the wicked desires evil. His neighbor finds no favor in his eyes. All right, verse 6. The getting of treasure by lying tongues is a vanity or a vapor tossed to and fro of them that seek death. And this is that idea of the get-rich-quick mentality. You know, I want to cheat somebody. I want to... Uh, we've talked about the false balance, you know, and, and last, last week we talked about the, the seller that says, oh, what you've got is worthless, it's worthless, he buys it cheap and then brags about the, what a deal he got as he ripped you, ripped you off. Uh, and this is that whole idea that getting rich through lying, through cheating, just the quick, is just a vapor. And it's tossed to and fro, and I'm just talking about being on a, on a rough ocean, you know, where you have no control. And if you've ever been on a boat on a, on a lake or, a, or, a, or close to the ocean when the sea gets a little rough, <laughs> they're fairly hard sometimes to get back to where you want to go. Because every time you get going, here comes a wave to knock you off another direction. And that's what it's talking about. This whole idea of you get rich is being tossed to and fro of them that seek death. And that's what he's talking about. If you're trying to cheat others, you're trying to get rich through a lying tongue, you're, look, you're really seeking death. Uh, the world doesn't look at it that way, but God does. That you that you're seek death. The violence of the wicked shall destroy them because they refuse to do judgment now or my righteous. Bi my Bible says robbery. Robbery, violence. It's, it's, it's actually, a better word is violence. But robbery is violence usually anyway, so it's either way it works. Uh, even if it's a nobody home and it's still violence, it's taking what somebody else you know, belongs to them. Uh, but the wicked usually commit violence of some sort anyway, whether it's with their tongue or, or physical. or And uh, it, it shall destroy them. They will reap what they sow. And sometimes we look at it and say they're not reaping it very fast. <laughs> but they will reap what they sow. And that is one of the things that we need to always be able to grab hold of is that 
even if somebody looks like they're getting away with murder or cheating people, you know, the whole idea they they looks like they're getting away with it, they will eventually reap what they sow. Sometimes they can't enjoy what they what they what they took because because what are you going to do with it? You know, you have to sell it cheap because it's it's because it you can't get rid of it. Uh, sometimes they're worried about somebody else stealing it from them. You know, there's no peace in their lifestyle. Uh, a lot of times people will look at gangsters and look at all, you know, you know, gang members and these guys that are on the top and look at everything they have. Well, they got the nice car, they've got the nice clothes, they've got the nice house, but they're always worried. Always worried that they're going to lose it, whether it's the government that comes in and takes it or somebody bigger and meaner than them <laughs> comes along and takes their stuff. Uh, but there's always this big worry about they got it illegitimately and they're worried about losing it. And this is why it's so important to live a righteous life. Uh, the way of man is forward and strange, but as for the poor, his work is uh, pure, his work is right. And forward means crooked, perverted. Uh, and then strange is kind of an in interesting word because it is burdened with guilt. That word means burdened with guilt. So the, the way of, the, of man is crooked and perverted and burdened with guilt. And that is if we're doing it our way, which is the flesh and, and in, the, in the walking in the sin nature. Because the sin nature usually gets things incorrectly. Uh, very rarely will it go out and work hard for their living. Uh, <clears throat> but as for the pure, his work is right. There's going to be a reward, and you're not worried about losing what you have. You know, it's like somebody who's uh, you know being honest. They're not. They're not drinking. They're not doing drugs. Or you know, if the police pull up behind them, they're not paranoid. <laughs> you know, they may be wondering what they did, or maybe they know what they've done. They're speeding like I do. <laughs> But you're not worried about being drug off to jail for, for all the other things that be, you know that that, are, that could be in your car. Uh, you know, you're just you have that peace because you it is pure, and you're not you're not sitting there worried. It is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than with a brawling woman in a wide house, and that is contentious. You know, and that could either be a man or a woman. You know, and we all know what that means. You know, if you're if you're if you're at home and it's just a miserable place to be because the the spouse is always on your case about whatever anything and everything it's not a fun place to be you really don't want to go home you don't want to be there uh, and he's saying it's better to be hiding in the corner of your rooftop than to have that environment and that's been said in a couple of places and will be said in a couple more places uh, because it, it is really just a truth uh, we all know what it's like to, you know, have somebody on our case. It doesn't, you know, for, for people with parents, you know, when you're living at your parents, it could be your parents that are always on your case. When they have a guardian. <laughs> never, if you have a guardian, they're always on your case. If, it could be a spouse, you know, and the, you know, it could be almost anybody. And for some people, it's when they go to work, you know, their work ethic is so bad that somebody's always writing them. And it's a miserable place to be. Or I've worked for a micromanager before. Micromanagers are terrible to work for because everything has to be done their way, in their time, at you know. Hover around, hover, hover. They're, they're hovering. They're hovering on you. Every everything has to be done their way. Doesn't matter that you're going to get the job done by by the time limit that they set you, but it has to be done their way in their time, and you know, and heaven help you if you have some other idea or better way to get it done. Uh, you know so. And I've had one person like that in my lifetime, and I'm going. I can't. I couldn't handle that job. I had to get out of that, out of that company because I couldn't handle it. Um, and it's not a good environment. You know, it's not a good environment when that happens. The soul of the wicked desires evil. His neighbor finds no favor in his sight. And this is the way of the the flesh. The flesh desires evil. It, it really does. It may do a good thing once in a while. But the second half of it, the neighbor finds no favor in his sight. When the neighbor needs something or needs help, the, the wicked have, turn a blind eye. I'm not going not gonna to help. Uh, you know, you're, you're out of luck. 
And that's not where, where we are supposed to be as Christians. We're supposed to be ready to help, ready to, to assist and if we can. Uh, and very important on that. Verse 11. When the scorner is punished, the simple is made wise, and when the wise is instructed, he receives knowledge. The righteous man wisely considers the house of the wicked, but God overthrows the wicked for their wickedness. Whoso stops his ears at the cry of the poor, he also shall cry himself, and but shall not be heard. A gift in secret pacifies anger, and a reward in the, the bosom strong, strong wrath. It is joy to the just to do just judgment, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. When the scorner is punished, or the mocker is punished, the simple is made wise, and the wise is instructed, and when the wise is instructed, he receives knowledge. Okay, and we've talked, remember back a couple chapters ago, we talked about how to, to when you punish a mocker or a scorner, it does them no good, but the simple is made wise. Those who are just going to mock and, and scorn, judgment and punishment usually doesn't do them any good. But when others see them get punished, it says the simple or the naive will be instructed. They'll learn. They'll go, I don't want to be, <laughs> I don't want to do that because that happens. Okay, so they are instructed by the punishment of the mocker. And it may, may mean nothing to the mocker. Uh, I remember growing up, my, my brother, one of my brothers, when he got uh, disciplined, it made no difference to him. He was so strong-willed that you basically had to beat him to death to even have him understand that he was being disciplined. Uh, and I had a son that if you just looked at him, he'd start falling, falling to pieces. You know, he never, he never hardly needed a spanking because, you know, and it wasn't manipulative. He literally would fall, you know, one hard look at him and he was so tenderhearted. It was like, oh, no, I'm not going to do it. Any, I'm not going to do it. You know, and each one of these is a different people. And when the wicked and when the wise are instructed, the wise are comprehend they receive knowledge, okay? The wise will comprehend, and the wise don't even need to be disciplined a lot of times, they just need to be pointed in the right direction. And that's what we do through the Word of God as much as possible. We try to point people in the right direction, we instruct, and by the instruction, we should get knowledge. And not have to go through it the hard ways. Unfortunately, most people, myself included, like to go through the school of hard knocks. We just have to go, just have to go and do it the wrong way and be disciplined. But it's so much easier when we can just learn and say, okay, God, I, I got it. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I don't need to go through the hard time. I've got it. And then God will give us the test to see if we've got it. But it is important for us to be able to look and start saying, God, I wanna learn things. I want your spirit to teach me. I want to learn from what you're, what you're going to instruct. I don't want to have to go through the discipline. I don't want to have to go through the hard times based on the discipline. The righteous man wisely considers the house of the wicked, but God overthrows the wicked for their wickedness. And this is the, the, the wise man looks, he comprehends the house of the wicked. He sees that it is wicked. And, it's not, and he's not going to sit there, or she is not going to sit there and enter into the house and participate in what they're doing and then realize, oh, this isn't where I'm supposed to be. This is, this, is, this is wickedness. This is evil. They look at and say, this is something I'm not, I shouldn't be participating in. And this is why we talk a lot about we need to have people in our life who are sinners so that we can preach, you know, give the gospel. But they shouldn't be our best friends. They shouldn't be the ones we hang out with all the time because that's not considering their house. That is going in and participating and then getting into all kinds of trouble and then realizing uh, I shouldn't be here. And this is something discernment is so important in the, in the spiritual world. Looking at a situation and asking God, what do I do? How do I get involved or how don't I get involved? Because I've seen people going in with the best of intentions. They're going in to help somebody. But they didn't stop and ask God, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? And the next thing you know, they're, par they're, they're partaking in the sin that they were trying to help the person get away from. 
And it's very critical. We've got to look and discern, listen to the Spirit. Sometimes it's better not to get involved and, and maybe even look a little hard-hearted to that person than to fall. That, you know, one of the things that somebody's told, if, if they have problems with drinking, the place that they probably should not be in is bar. in a bar trying to help their friends <laughs> not drink. Okay, it's not the place to be. It's not using wisdom. And I've heard them, well, I'm over it. I'm not, it's not a temptation. And they might, that might be true for the first two or three visits to the bar. And then they go that, that next time and, and nothing is right in their life and, and the temptation hits them just right. And the next thing, all, that, all their success is gone because they fell. And it's very critical we use discernment. God, is this where I should be? Should I be helping this person? And sometimes helping somebody is not even the best thing to do because oftentimes that person has to hit bottom before they're ready for turning to God. And we, we hear the testimonies all the time about the people who lose everything in their drugs and alcohol or their, or their world. And then they finally go, oh, I need, you know, I need something more stable. I need God. And if we sit there and prop them up, <laughs> you know, here, here's your propping up. You know, we're going to help you. We delay the process. It's the idea of the spoiled, rotten kid whose, whose parents always rescue them out of everything they do wrong. And all they do is keep escalating to the point where the parents finally say, oh, you know, we haven't helped you. You know, our rescuing you have not, has not helped you. Does that mean we never rescue them? No. It means that we talk to God and say, is this a help or not? And uh, talked many times when I was running a benevolence program, the hardest decision was, did you help? Are we going to help this person or not? Because we did not want to be able to just prop them up and say, okay, we're going to hold, you know, we're going to give you the money to pay for this month. And then next month, you know, you're going to be in the same place. That's not helping them. Uh, and so this whole idea of discerning, discerning what's going on, considering the house of the wicked. And it says, but God overthrows the wicked in their wickedness. God is going to overturn. He turns them upside down is literally what that means. He turns them upside down. And sometimes that's just what is needed. Turn, have their whole life turned upside down. Sometimes he does it with us. If we're getting in the wrong direction and looking at the wrong, uh, wrong, wrong things instead of God and we're looking at the world, he'll turn our whole life upside down and say, well, are you ready to pay attention to me? And it's not fun when that happens, but it's oftentimes what he does. Let's see. Thir verse 13. Who so stops his ears at the cry of the poor he shall also cry himself and shall not be heard. And this is just a straightforward, you reap what you sow. If you ignore the needs of others when you could have helped them, God will say when you need the help, nobody's going to listen to you. And that's just straightforward the way it is. A gift in secret pacifies anger and a reward in the bosom strong wrath. And this is the idea that sometimes when somebody's angry with you, a small gift to them is, is what can get rid of the anger. And this is that idea that I step forward and say, I'm sorry, you know, and give that apology. Uh, and sometimes that's all it takes. Just a little step forward and saying, I've got this for you. And usually that's all people want, you know, an apology. You, you know, would you just let me know that you know that you were wrong? And this one then says, but a reward in the bosom is, can, can stop strong wrath. And that literally talks about being outward. Um, somebody's really angry with you, sometimes the only way to get them to be not angry is to make a public apology, especially if there's a reason for it. Uh, and it's to be out in the open. And so we want to look at that. It is a joy to the just to do ju judgment, but destruction shall be to the workers of iniquity. And I hope we all understand this. It is a joy when we do right. You know, and we do it just because God wants us to do it. Without reward, without, without hope of being... Sometimes the quiet doing of right is just a great joy to our own heart. And maybe nobody even knows about it, but I know that I did what was right. I had the opportunity to 
to share that person's secret and make them look bad, and I held my tongue. And I gave them blessing and edification instead of destroying. And that, that little joy of obedience, maybe nobody else knows it but God, but it brings joy. It brings pleasure. And I also don't have to worry about some bad coming upon me for, for doing it wrong. But destruction to the workers of iniquity. When they do things wrong, they will reap what is due. What is due. And this the whole idea of reaping and sowing and reaping is so important because it is all through the scriptures. What goes around comes around. Yeah, it, it is. It's called by so many different things. It, and it is when you do good, you usually receive good in return. And if you do evil, you usually get back bad, bad things for that evil. And it's true of every single person, a Christian, non-Christian. It is something that is out there. We're going to reap what we sow. Unless God supernaturally steps in to redirect the path, we reap what we sow. And does that mean we're not forgiven? Nope, we are absolutely forgiven. But the consequences will still come even though we're forgiven. And that's the whole idea of, of when we do wrong, we can be forgiven, but there's still consequences. And so it's very important to, to consider this. Verse 16, the man that wanders out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. He that loves pleasure shall be, be a poor man. He that loves wine and oil shall not be rich. The wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous and the transgressor for the upright. It is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious and angry woman. There is a treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but the foolish man spends it. Okay, the man that, verse 16, the man that wanders out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. And that is being living in the flesh, living in the world, the congregation of the dead. You depart from God's way of doing things and you're basically going to be depressed. You're going to be, you're going to be living in death. Uh, and that goes even for those of us that are saved, that we can live in the flesh. We can live in death and be unhappy and miserable and all the stuff that goes on with it. Or we walk in the way of understanding, the way of truth, and we live above it. And that's uh, verse 17. He that loves pleasure shall be a poor man. He that loveth wine and oil shall not be rich. And this is somebody, they love to party. The more they love to party, the more they're going to spend. Uh, and it says, he that loves pleasure, he, the one that loves to party is going to be poor. And that pretty much is true. Unless you're going to have somebody else pay for all your parties, you're going to be poor. And you won't be going to parties very long if you're always the one you know, living off them. They're going to recognize you very quickly and say, oh, you're not coming anymore. Uh, but if you want to spend your, your time with wine and, and this is oil and it needs rich food, riches and, and, and food, you won't, you'll, you'll be spending all the time. Um, verse 19 is, uh, uh, 18, the, the wicked shall be a ransom for the righteous and the transgressor for the upright. And this is pretty much goes to say that when you look around, the wicked are going to be the ones that get all the trouble. They're going to be the ones that have all the, the pain and the sorrow you know, as opposed to the riches. Again, it's that you reap what you sow. And it's almost, uh, this word, the, the ransom is the price of life, you know, price of life, uh, it's, uh, it's what cost, and the transgressor for the upright. So again, when you do right, you're not gonna be in as much trouble as the, the poor, the, the one that dwells wrong. And then verse 19, it is better to dwell in the wilderness than with a contentious or angry person. And again, that's just uh, better to be out in the middle of nowhere. Uh, now, some people love to live in the wilderness, away from everybody else. Um, there is a treasure to be desired and oil in the dwelling of the wise, but the foolish man spends it up. And this is that idea of as you get riches, you, you put some aside for a rainy day. And it says, and God blesses. And we see the blessing of God, and we see it in the scriptures. And this is where people come up with this whole idea that once we get saved, you know, the name and acclaim it, you know, whatever you want is yours. Because God does tend to tell us that we're going to be rewarded for doing, living his way. But it's not an absolute. <laughs> okay? We saw it in Job. Job had everything taken away from him. Abraham never seemed to have had anything taken away from him. He was rich all of his life. 
Lot was rich, went into went into to Sodom, and and ended up losing everything. Uh, so we see this idea that God wants to give us things, but the foolish spend it upon themselves. And the more we want to spend God's riches on ourselves, the less he's going to give us. The more we give out, the more he tends to give back because he knows he can trust us to handle his money right. Verse 21, He that followeth after righteousness and mercy, and mercy finds life, righteousness, and honor. A wise man scaleth the city of the mighty and cast down the strength of the confidence thereof. Whoso keepeth his mouth and his tongue keeps his soul from trouble. Proud and haughty scorners, proud and haughty scorners is his name, who deals in proud wrath. The desire of the slothful kills him, and his hand refuses labor. Verse 21, he that follows after righteousness and mercy finds life, righteousness, and honor. And then we all know that. And, you know, somebody who is basically following after God's way, they get honor, they get, they get rewards. In the New Testament, it says that they will speak before kings. You know, in the long run, righteousness is exalted. Uh, the proverb that was, is thus, the cream always rises to the top. The best always comes to the top, no matter what. When we're following God, we, we will be rewarded. We will come to the top of, of a situation. People know that they can trust somebody who's seeking after God. If they need advice, they know who to come to. If they're looking for help, they know who to come to. And they know that they're there for the right reasons. They want to help them. The wise man scaleth the city of the mighty and cast down the strength of the confidence thereof. And this is the idea that the wise always win. The wise will win in the long run. They, they will, their arguments will stand. And when somebody lies, sometimes they may win out in the short term. But the one thing about lies is they're always found out. <laughs> and because people eventually have to keep building upon that lie. They have to expand upon the lie and make it worse and, and bigger and bigger until they get it so tangled up that it becomes obvious that it's a lie. Uh, and if you're telling the truth, you're being wise, you're going to be victorious in the long run. Whoso keeps or guards his mouth and his tongue keeps or guards his soul from trouble. And this one we all know. Usually when we're in trouble, it's because of something we yeah. said. You know, every once in a while, it'll be suffered for something we did, but we, we tend to be able to control our actions a lot better than we can our tongue. Our tongues will almost always get us in trouble because we usually speak without thinking so often. And God is saying, guard your tongue. In James, we see the same thing. The tongue is a, the tongue is a mighty fire with it, you know, the, and set the, the forest on a flame, you know, and, if you want to cause trouble, our tongue can do it real quick and cause all kinds of anger and bitterness and, and storms in our, in our presence just because of an unguarded word. And sometimes it's a word that we didn't even know that we spoke. You know, how often have you said something and then had somebody get mad at you and you had to really start thinking about what did I say? And then all of a sudden you realize you said something that was offensive you know, without even thinking about it. We need to guard our tongues always. Proud and haughty scorner is his name who deals in proud wrath. And somebody who gets angry a lot. Somebody who's always angry because they've been hurt. They're, you, know, you start looking at them and they're proud and they're haughty. They, they think they're above everybody else. And when you, if you have that attitude, you're going to have trouble almost all the time with people. The desire of the slothful kills him for his hands refuse to labor. Somebody who's slothful is basically going to go hungry. You know, they're going to be, nobody's going to help them because they're not out there trying to do anything. It's one thing to help somebody who is out there doing something. may not be much, but at least they're doing something or they always just lounging around doing nothing. And I've met lots of people who seem to be that way. They just lounge around, do nothing, and then they wonder why nobody wants to help them. Uh, you know, because they're not trying at all to do anything. He that coveteth greedily all the day long, but the righteous gives and spares not. 
The sacrifice of the wicked is abomination. How much more when he brings it with wicked with a wicked mind? A false witness shall perish, but the man that hears hear speaks constantly. A man, a wicked man, hardens his face, but as, but as for the upright, he directs his way. There is no wisdom, nor understanding, nor counsel against the Lord. The horse is prepared against the day of battle, out of safe, but safety is the Lord's. Verse 26, he that covets greedy, greedily, he coveteth greedily all the day long, going back to the slothful person, but the righteous gives and spares not. And this is the idea that God wants us to bestow, grant, employ, and trust. Not just give, but to help that person. And this is the problem in our, in our world today, that the government keeps giving handouts to people and doesn't expect them to work for it. And in God's way of doing things, it was always, they, you arranged it so they could help themselves. The farmer was not to, to, to uh, reap all the way to the corners of the field so there was stuff left for the poor, but the poor had to get off their butts, go to the field, and pick the, pick the stuff that was left. And they, were to glean, they could glean in the fields, but they had to do something. They had to work. They had to maintain their pride of, of, of doing something. And the way, our, the way that things are done now is just being handed out to people. There's no pride. There's, there's the destruction of it. And then we're to, to spare not. We're not to withhold. If we have the ability to help somebody, we're not to withhold that help. And this is something that is, is critical for people to understand that if you want, if God's given you the stuff to help, you help them. And that means even the poorest person can help a little bit for somebody. You know, it may only be a couple of dollars as opposed to hundreds of dollars for somebody else, but, you know, or, or as somebody did for me, they put the, the starter on my car. You know, that was a great blessing to me because it was a, not something I couldn't do, but it was a pain in the neck to me, and, they, and it was a blessing to them. It was something they could do, and so they did it. And sometimes, even though we may not have any physical possessions, sometimes that helping of somebody can be just what they need. Because there's things that people cannot do that you might find simple. Uh, I like to administrate things. To me, doing an administrative job is, is not even work. It's just, it's fun. But others look at it and say, oh, no, I'm not trying to, I can't do that. That's, you know, and they're depressed by it. Uh, so it's very important for us to look and say, what can I do to help somebody and, and be a blessing to them? The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination. How much more when he brings it with a wicked mind. It's bad enough when the, wicked, when the wicked come and give their sacrifice with no desire to please God. They're just trying to look good. But when they have a really wicked intent in their heart, it's really bad. When Jesus told, looked and he said, the Pharisees give much, but with the wrong heart. And he looked at the widow and said, she gave her you know, two pennies and it was more than all that they had given. They looked good. You know, they looked good. They stood on the corners with their prayers. They, they looked righteous, but their heart was black. They were doing it for the wrong reasons. And it says, hey, they had it with the wrong mind. It's bad enough that they're doing it, but their attitude is to make themselves look really good, and that is even worse. And that's what this verse is talking about. The false witness shall perish, but the man that hears to obey speaks constantly or literally with understanding and knowledge, okay? He speaks constantly and with the, right, with the right understanding. A wicked man hardens his face, but as for the upright, he directs his way. And this is the, the wicked. When they get caught, they usually will deny. They will usually take a stance and say, and this harden, hardening of the face, I'm not, you know, it's not me, I'm not guilty. <laughs> and it says the, the upright will direct his way. He, he discerns and he and he just looks for the right direction there is no wisdom nor understanding nor counsel against God this is very important outside of God there's no wisdom there's not even an understanding discernment discerning heart outside of God and there is no real honest counsel that is against God's way of doing things and we see that with the with the wicked all the time is that they are going the wrong direction they're they're not that, you know, claiming to be wise, they have no wisdom. They, they look and they, they go, well, I've got all the answers. 
and we see it in things like evolution against creationism and you start pointing out all the holes in evolution and they're going, well, no, I'm going to hold on to this. Uh, and there's no good counsel unless it's godly counsel. And it says, the horse is prepared against the day of battle, but safety is in the Lord. And this is this whole idea. We get prepared. We're not to be totally unprepared for the future, but safety really comes from God. Okay? I cannot just trust in my... In, in what I have, the natural, you know, if I want to trust, it goes back to the very beginning of this, that God controls the kings, okay? We could have the most strong arsenal of defense, you know, we could arm our house, we can put all the stuff around it, and if God says, you're going to get robbed, you're going to get robbed. We could have the strongest country, and we did for many years, and God could say, well, you know, your country is sinning, and we're just going to take it out. And it's up to God. Safety is in God's hands. It doesn't mean we don't prepare. You know, I don't go out and leave my house unlocked so that, you know, saying, God, you're, you're going to keep it. You're going to keep it. You know. Doesn't God expect you to do some of the work? He wants us to be prepared. We want to know that he is the one that ultimately keeps us. But we don't want to do temptation. I mean, that it's the old saying goes that, that locks keep honest people honest. You know, locks don't keep, you know, somebody who's determined out. Uh, I used to be able to break into you know, lots of different houses and stuff with credit cards and, and knives. I could pop most locks. Uh, not that I ever wanted to, but, you know, I, I practiced just out of curiosity because you'd see it be done. You know, I wanted to know how easy it was. And there was a time when I could pop just about any lock. But a lock is something that was there to keep honest people honest. Uh, you know, combination locks. It used to be fun to, to break combination locks just, just for the fun of doing it. And, and all it is is those who are going to be honest are going to be honest. Those who are, those who are going to be, you know, desire to be evil are, are nothing's going to stop them anyway. They're just going to do it. And, but it is all in God's hands. And it's the same thing, you know, with insurance. You know, we should have insurance. Not, you know, because God says... Protect yourself. You know, protect what you do have, you know, and let let it go. Now the government tells us we have to have insurance on our cars and everything, which is a good, wise thing to do. But at the same time, there's times when we say, "Okay, God, it's in your hands. I can't. I've done everything I can do, but it's in your hands." And it's important to know that it is. Remember and depend. It's in His hands. He is the one that's going to keep. All right. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this opportunity to open your word and to look. And, and Lord, you know that you are in control of all. We ask you that you put us into a confidence of, in you that you are running things. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.